be discussing Ada Lovelace, who is basically the reason we can do any of this. She was a mathematician in the 1800s, and she's pretty fucking cool. We're going to get into it in a minute. Um, as you might know if you've seen this before, on here, as you should know, I find a, an obscure historical figure who I think is important that we don't ever talk about for a plethora of reasons that I'm sure you can imagine. Um, and then I tell you about them. And then we turn them into D&D characters, because why would we not? This is the double nerd show. Of course we do. So here we go. <laughs> Uh, Ada Lovelace was born Augusta Ada Byron on December 10th in 1815 in London. Um, so she was born to her mother, Annabella, ba Annabella Milbank, who was uh, a well-educated mathematician, uh, like high, kind of a higher born woman, which was pretty rare to have like a well-educated woman in that time, whatever. Um, and then also her dad was the poet Lord, Lord George Gordon Byron, who was a as I said, a poet and a notorious horny boy. Um, this is the only child he had in wedlock. He had two other daughters, um, one of whom shares my name, which is neat. Um, I mean, she did die of typhus or malaria at age five, but still cool, I think. I guess. <laughs> um, anyway, her dad was expecting a glorious boy, but was, of course, disappointed when she was a girl. Um, also he had a habit of not calling his kids by their given names. Allegra was a name he gave to his second daughter, who was Alba at birth. Augusta is Ada's given name, which is named after Byron's half-sister, but he's the one who started calling her Ada. So he just kind of disregards anything, which is fine. Also, we'll talk about, we'll talk about Augusta, his sister, in a little bit. <laughs> right? I mean, he wasn't around for a lot of either of their lives, but <laughs> you piece the fuck out. Yeah, that's the <laughs> that's the mood. So yeah, he does that. And then as I just insinuated, he and his wife separate a few weeks after Ada's born. And a few months after that, Byron leaves England and Ada never sees him again because he dies in Greece when she is eight years old. Um, so he kind of like immortalizes their parting <laughs> in a poem, which goes, is thy face like thy mother's, my fair child, Ada, soul daughter of my house and heart. That's it. That's all. That's like all he has to say about her. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, so at the time in England, uh, the law was that full custody of the kids would go to the father in a separation. But since Byron wasn't into it, he just had his sister keep him updated on his kid. And that was that was the scope of his involvement with her. <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's fine. I'm going to go like have another kid. Then I'm going to go to Greece. Maybe have another kid. And then I'll die. Don't worry about it. So, yeah. So her mom is pretty understandably bitter about uh, about all of this. Um, and she's she's trying to keep her kid sort of like away from the like the poetic flights of fancy that byron was prone to so she from a very early age pushes her towards you know like math and logic and reason and all this kind of stuff ada also didn't see a portrait of her father's face until she was 20 years old damn which is a whole new level of petty that i appreciate <laughs> um yeah. also side note i realized i had not put my microphone on the stream so 
just want to point out that I fixed that. That's okay. We're we're doing our best tonight. We're it's been rough. We're going though. (laughs) Um yes, so okay. So Ada's mom is on her own. She's pretty pissed about Lord Byron being an absolute fuck off. Um, and she kind of rails against him publicly for his immoral behavior, which is a pretty big deal because everyone's already kind of on the, the father's side in this time in society. So, so the fact that she's making even more of us think about it continually doesn't really help them that much. Um, and add to that, her mom wasn't super interested in her too much like in there were a couple letters where she called her an it (laughs) as a child Jeez. yeah right (laughs) so it's just she like kept a good face for the public so it looked like she was very doting um but it was mainly ada's maternal grandmother who cared for her and she was very doting and lovely um so and also lady byron had people like her friends keep an eye on her daughter in her teenage years to make sure that she wasn't like morally deviant and following in her father's footsteps which has to be very disconcerting um also on that similar note her mom was uninterested but also overbearing so very very conflicting (laughs) messages from mom here um And Ada was also very ill as a child. Um, She had headaches that affected her sight. She was paralyzed briefly with a case of measles. Uh, She was on bed rest for a full year. Um, All of this coming also from her mother's kind of like, well, if you're in bed, you can't do anything bad. So just stay there. (laughs) A mess. Might as well Um, just keep her in the attic, man. I essentially, (laughs) she was just like, no, no, no. You stay with my mom. You don't leave bed. You learn math. Those are my three rules, and that's it. Um, anyway, so uh, by 1831, when she was about 15, she was able to walk with crutches. She could walk before in her life, but like there was a time, there was a period in that year that she had to use crutches to walk, and eventually she was she didn't need them anymore. Um, but despite all of this nonsense, she was super into her studies um it was all very like math like like i said math and logic based um and by age 12 she decided that she wanted to fly so she researched materials for wings she studied the anatomy of birds and the proportion of their wings to their bodies she even wrote a book called flyology which had like plates of designs and like all of her findings about like what she might need isn't that the cutest shit (laughs) can you (laughs) is this a book i can go buy i don't know but i hope so (laughs) like like a little, tw- like imagine a little 12 year old on bed rest, just like, I'm going to fly and this is how I'm going to do it. And these are the kind of like materials I'm going to use for the wings. I, it just warms up. And write a whole book about it. Right. And like have written out designs and like sketches and plans. Like she wanted to even add a compass to the, to the, to the design so that she could cut across the country in the most direct route. <laughs> Which is so sweet. <laughs> Uh, anyway, <laughs> so in early 1833, when she is 17, she has an affair with a tutor and tries to elope, uh, but she gets caught and her mom freaks out and covers the scandal, uh, as we would expect from her mother. Great. Uh, <laughs> she never she, she never met Allegra, uh, but she did have contact with Elizabeth Medora Lee, who was either her half-sister or her cousin or both. <laughs> There's I'm not going to think about that too hard. Yeah, there's there are very many um, 
what are what are there there are specu there is speculation pretty heavy speculation and potentially like evidence for the fact that Lord Byron may or may not have been in an incestuous relationship with his half sister Augusta, um, and Elizabeth may have been a product of that. We don't know for sure. Anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a distinct possibility that that was either her half sister and her cousin, or it could be just her cousin. Uh, so in adulthood, <laughs> Ada became very close with another one of her tutors named Mary Somerville, who introduced her to Charles Babbage in 1833. Charles Babbage was a mathematician of the time. I'll talk about him more later. Um, but she and uh, she and Ada and Mary were very, very close friends throughout Ada's life. And she I mean, she outlived Ada by 20 years and died at 1991. Wow. So wild. Um, a quick little thing about Mary Somerville. She was a Scottish scientist, writer, and another self-proclaimed polymath. She studied mathematics and astronomy specifically. Um, she and another contemporary scientist, Carolyn Herschel, were the first women nominated to be in the Royal Astronomical Society, which was a big deal in, uh, in England at the time. Um, and she conducted experiments about the relationship between lights and magnetism. Um, and then I had to stop reading about it because if I didn't, I was going to get distracted by Mary Somerville and we were going to talk about two people and this episode would have been three hours long. <laughs> so I made myself stop. Mary Somerville was super interesting when I was reading about her. Go check her out. You'll get to him. Yeah. And then there's also Charles Babbage, who was a philosopher and a mathematician and inventor and a mechanical engineer. So he worked on uh, like kind of like a very, very basic original concept for a digital programmable computer. And he also basically broke the visionaire cipher just because he could very smart people uh on a quick side note i am very good at history things and i'm very good at like language things and as it wouldn't it doesn't seem like that but i like that's something i feel like i'm good at math is not one of those things aaron though aaron's good at math so when we get to the math things Aaron's going to talk about things. I'm going to say the very broad things and then Aaron might be able to explain them a little better than I will because even with my research, I have no clue what I was reading. You just, you just let me know what you want me to expound upon. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so back to, back to Ada for now. Uh, she also became with a ton of other scientists of the day, including Andrew Cross, who did early experimentation about what could be done with electricity Sir David Brewster, who was a, he worked in physical optics, which was mainly like studying the polarization of light and the discovery of the Brewster's angle, which is where the polarization and the light waves mesh and basically looks like things are invisible. Like, like the, that's like with polarized lenses, right? How you have to like mm -hmm. turn your head with polarized lenses. Yeah. I'm hesitant. I'm hesitant to say, honestly, cause I don't, I don't know off the top of my head and I don't want to be wrong. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. I, I looked it up and I did the reading and I, I think that's what it was, but honestly, science and math I love, but I'm very, takes me a long time to get them. <laughs> uh, Charles Wheatstone as well, who invented, invented the concertina, which is the, the musical instrument, the stereoscope, which was the, you remember when you were a kid and you had those mm -hmm. like goggles that you put over your eyes yep. and you click it and they would have a disc. Yeah. He made that a thing, which was uh, a device that shows you two of the same image in either eye and they appear as a 3D image. Uh, and also he created the Playfair cipher. Uh, she also worked with Michael Faraday, who did electromagnets and uh, electrochemistry, and the author, Charles Dickens. So she was very popular in court. She was super brilliant. And she went often and people were all about her. 
Um, and so math became like her big focus when she was 17. She had like two, like multiple tutors um, from multiple different like schools, William Friend, William King, and the aforementioned Mary Somerville. And so she's like math focused. And then in July of 1835, she marries William the Eighth Baron King, not King as in like a ruler King, but his last name is King. Uh, and so she becomes Lady King and they have three kids, Byron, named after her father, uh, Anna Isabella, who they called Annabella after her mom for some reason. And then Ralph Gordon, who was also named after uh, Ada's father. Um, and then Ada had a bout of sickness for a few months after Anna Isabella was born, um, which you would expect from a person who's kind of chronically had this issue. Um, and then they find out that Ada is a descendant of the Baron's Loveless, which is something important in Britain. And it has like land things. I have really no interest in I... social hierarchy nonsense. So I didn't really look this up. I looked it up kind of perfunctorily to be like, this is a place, I think. Um, no clue. But she her husband becomes Earl of Loveless, which makes her the Countess of Loveless. Um, and then boom, there's her name, Ada Loveless. Yeah, that's that's all I want to say about how she got her name and the place because uh, hierarchical society bullshit doesn't interest me. Mm -hmm. So, 1843 and 1844, Ada's mother, who is still very much involved in her life, sends uh, William Benjamin, Benjamin Carpenter, who is a physiologist, an invertebrate zoologist, and a physician, to be her children's tutor uh, and Ada's moral instructor and also... He, like, tutors her a little bit, too, because he has different, like, areas of expertise than she does. Um, but that doesn't work out super great because he falls for her and he keeps trying to, like, get her to run away with him. And she eventually just cuts him off and she's like, no, we're done. And so he's not the kid's tutor anymore and she gets a different tutor. Um, what is yeah. it with these English tutors, man? I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand. Usually you're tutoring children. Get your heads out of your asses. Like... Can, can, what does being a tutor mean you can't control yourself <laughs> are tutors just inherently horny have they been like looking at books Must for so be. long they're like i need a person <laughs> come on dude get your shit together have a little bit of self-control and don't be a creep <laughs> um anyway on that note from Aaron and i uh, she also apparently loved to gamble and formed a gambling syndicate with her dude friends. <laughs> of course she did. She, right? So she bets on horses and she even tries to create like a mathematic model. Of course for, she did. Yeah, okay. right? For like more successful large bets. It, it doesn't go well and she ends up deeply in debt. Which, of course it did. Which we saw coming. Um... She's also seen as socially scandalous for her relaxed views on extramarital affairs, um, which is hilarious because she's like, no, fuck this tutor, but like, don't like actively fuck him, but I'm not interested in him. But she did have an affair with Andrew Cross's son, John. I don't, but I don't was it like, I don't. <laughs> oh, I, I think I got her husband and her dad confused for a second. So, so don't mind what I was about to say, but don't. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> I think I think this is where her dad's coming in. <laughs> this is where her like father's right. yeah, her father's influence is appearing. Anyway, uh, 
Yeah, so she's kind of scandalous in society, and I'm pretty sure that doesn't help her case with her mother. <laughs> but, like, she's an adult, so... Exactly! Like, <laughs> her mom shouldn't be, like, this up in her business. Not not that I'm saying she should be having extramarital affairs, but, like, she's a grown-ass woman. She can make her own choices, <laughs> whatever they may be. Um, so it's the 1840s now. She work, She's working with Augustus de Morgan on uh, some advanced calculus, as well as Bernoulli's number. Aaron, what the fuck is Bernoulli's numbers? Um, fuck, I don't know off the top of my head. I, at one point I knew. At one point I knew in this, at this moment, I, I don't know. I spent That's all fair. of my time understanding what, what these Babbage engines are so that I could explain oh, good. those. But good, 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 good. I wrote it down somewhere. Oh. I don't remember where I you know what? Wrote keep it down, keep talking. I'll I'll Google it and I'll read one sentence and I'm sure I'll remember what it is. Yeah, Aaron's gonna come back to us on Bernoulli's number because I read multiple things about it and remember nothing. So hold please while we do that. I'll tell you that right now though, she often integrated poetry and science with her with her math, and she kind of thought that like intuition and imagination were a super valuable part of applying the mathematics and scientific concepts. So like marrying those two was what made her kind of stick out from others because for the most part people were very much like what's in the book is what's most important what's like you like like emotions and imagination and all this is over here math and science and logic is all over here and it doesn't mesh and she kind of found a way to mesh the two which is why you know what what kind of leads her to the eventual um the eventual um, notes she has on the analytic engine which we'll talk about soon i'm getting through her life first and then we're going to talk about her work because if I tried to if I tried to match them, it would have blown my mind personally. <laughs> Aaron, do you have anything on Bernoulli's numbers? Um, yeah, basically, it's uh, it's just a, it's a, a sequence of rational numbers that comes up a lot in in different places. Um, so it's like it's it's a thing, but it, and it it's too often to be a coincidence. But it's just like like they don't have anything else for it. It's, it's just, just a, a really it's a really specific sequence of rational numbers. Fascinating. Well, there you go. Uh, so she has information about Bernoulli's numbers. I, I'm sure I wouldn't understand them even if I knew what that information was. If you are a science or math-minded person and that interests you, please go find her notes. They, I'm sure, are very easy to find. The internet is a wonderful place. We have her to thank for it. Um, anyway, so she's also super interested in metaphysics, which is pretty pretty common in in you know Victorian era. Yeah, especially, yeah. And so, like, and, but, like, why should logic be everything there is? Like, if you, if we've found logical reasons for all this other stuff, why, why can't we have logical reasons for things that seem illogical right now? It was her kind of approach to it, which I think is very interesting and very open-minded of her. And then Ada dies at 36 on November 27th, 1852, from uterine cancer, which is very sad. Uh, at the end of her life, her mom's basically taken over everything, who she sees, what she reads, what she does. Uh, she kind of excludes Ada from all her friends, cuts them off. Um, she loses contact with her husband after she tells him something that made him leave her side. No one's really sure what it was. Uh, and then she has a religious transformation, which leads uh, her to repent from her misconduct, misconducts, and then she's buried next to her father. And that's that's her life, essentially. Is this very, like, big, smart top. And then her mom comes in and is very controlling again. So which, strange. Yeah. It's kind of, like, heartbreaking, too. Because yeah. she's clearly brilliant. And her mom's just like, no. 
I'm I'm in charge of this now. Ugh, it just rubs me weird. Anyway, on to her work now. The important the important things. I mean, her life was very important too. Her like how she lived and everything was important. But the things were 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 here to hear about. Um, so as we know, she was super into math and science uh, and metaphysics. So she so we'll talk about the the metaphysics part of it first, which is phrenology, which is basically the study of the bumps on your skull to predict mental traits, as well as mesmerism, mesmerism or animal magnetism. It's it's essentially like midi chlorians or the force or whatever. It's an invisible natural force that's in all living things that could have physical effects like healing. So why not? Why couldn't why couldn't that be a thing if if Bernoulli's number pops up everywhere? Why as far can't as, as far as they as far as they knew? Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so she even tries to create like a mathematical model for how the brain makes thoughts happen and like connects the nerve, like how the nerves connect to feelings and called it like the calculus of the nervous system, which is insane to me because I, I don't, I still don't think that we fully understand that in these days. Getting closer. We're getting closer. There's some, there's some, there's some gray areas, but we, we know probably more than you think. Yeah. But like, it's, it's still, it's just very interesting to me that like way back when she was like, okay, well I can, I can math this. I can math this feelings thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, so as we stated previously, she meets Charles Babbage in 1833 and a month later, she's still like 17, maybe she's mate. No, she's still 17. Cause it's in June. Um, he invites Ada to see his difference engine, which is an automatic mechanical calculator created to tabulate polynomial functions. Do you want to talk about what? <laughs> sure that? so the difference that it was basically just it was like a, it was like the calculator you have on your desk right now only it was a bunch of um gears it was a mechanical thing and it had little dials that you could put numbers in which were basically just the coefficients of you know the polynomials that you you did in algebra so you have like x x blah x cubed x squared you know that whole thing yeah. uh you, you had little dials you put the coefficients on there was a little something something you push to make it or i, I don't know if it was make like it a go. crank or a lever or something but you know right. you, you, you put the numbers in that you did something to make it do its thing and then on a different set of gears it spat out the results yeah, the answer ah wild i so i get especially in this one i got very caught up in people make things do things and i don't understand it <laughs> which sounds very simplistic but just like the fact that like okay we have this mathematical thing that we can do. I'm going to create a machine that does this faster for me. You want to know? I what's... think I think the fact that anything exists is wild. So you want to know what's even crazier? Like you think you look at the, the yes. everyone looked at the difference engine. They're like, oh my god, this is so crazy. Yeah, it turns out the Greeks did it like two thousand years before. They did. It's called <laughs> the Antikythera mechanism uh -huh. from uh, around 200 BCE. It's a hand powered ori that's used to predict uh, astronomical positions and eclipses decades in advance so it's basically the world's oldest analog computer and you want to know what's even crazier yes. we still can't replicate that thing people have been oh! trying and they can't figure out how it works i hate <laughs> i love but i hate my brain can't take it it's so what what must we what must we have forgotten mm -hmm. in the entire history of human beings that would blow our minds today. Just mm. this one. This one made my brain explode a lot. Not just because it was math things, but also because it was like 
people make things happen. I know this sounds insane. It sounds like I'm very high. I'm not. <laughs> this is just things I think about on a daily basis. I mean, it'd be okay if you were, but I mean, no, no. <laughs> but, I, but this isn't even me high thinking. This is just me regular thinking. Anyway, so she hangs out with Babbage a lot. Babbage is cool. They're, they're both very similarly minded. Um, the machine fascinates her. And in turn, he thinks she's brilliant and intellectual and analytical. And he like he really likes working with her and like respects her knowledge. And he calls her the enchantress of numbers. Because uh, why not? Sounds like a, a rejected <laughs> Marvel supervillain. <laughs> <laughs> the enchantress of numbers. <laughs> She just like throws math at you. And yeah. Like, no, I I got rid of it five years ago. I haven't thought about like math like this in literally five years. So this was a lot. Um. So about ten years after she meets Babbage, she spends nine months translating an Italian mathematician's article about a new machine. His name's Luigi Manabrea, and the machine is the analytical engineer. So he hasn't made it yet. It's just kind of like the concept of it which is basically incorporating math logic and then control flow and condition branching and loops and integrated ma- it's it's basically trying to create a computer as we would understand one today it was um, a computer as we understand yeah. one today yeah it like it doesn't have a screen it doesn't have you know like buttons and video chat or whatever but it's 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 a it does the computing it is a computer um, and I, it's, it's got like, it's got a finger in like the Alan Turing pie, which I, we were going to talk about him. And then I, I switched to her for some reason. I don't even remember why, ah, uh, but at some point we're going to talk about Alan Turing. So basically it's like the logical structure of the, uh, analytical engine is, is what we have now just without a screen, <laughs> basically. So as she translates, she adds her own notes and the notes end up being three times longer than the article itself. Because, of course, they do. Uh, and they include methods for calculating the sequence of Bernoulli's number using the analytical engine and explain the difference between, like, the original difference engine. Um, and she, she's just got, like, all these, like, thoughts. And she's integrating all of her ideas into something more than just a computing machine, a machine to compute. Um and basically, this is basically the first computer program, making her the first computer programmer, which is neato mosquito. <laughs> I mean, yeah, uh, uh, objectively the first, or um, not objectively, uh, ostensibly, because mm-hmm. it wasn't like a, it was not like she, you know, went to a coffee shop and and dusted her laptop off yeah. and you know wrote some JavaScript, but uh, but like as we understand yeah. programming and computing. That's basically what she did. It was a sequence of, you know, she laid out like, uh, basically, you know, computers have these things that we call instructions, which is just, hey, do this thing with with these numbers, mm-hmm. and she stepped that out for. Uh, I, I think uh, not not just the Bernoulli numbers, but I think there were a bunch of different like little There's pieces of software stuff, yeah. that she she wrote. I mean, they didn't call it software then. Right. <laughs> they didn't like, oh. ancient software. <laughs> it's the next hit nick cage movie (laughs) if that's if that's national treasure 3 i'm here for it honestly whatever give me more national treasure i say (laughs) um so she does make a very clear um 
clear di distinction in her notes that this is not artificial intelligence. It doesn't originate anything new. It simply follows the orders it's given and shares the data. Um, so there are a lot of people that try and rebut that and say that like it, it's technically information that didn't exist before. So it is artificial intelligence, including Alan Turing. He also was like, no, this is definitely artificial intelligence. And she's like, no, I gave it data and it did what it was supposed to do. Like it's not, which it's is, not coming up with new thoughts. Which is weird because Alan Turing... <laughs> Invented the Turing test. Yes, he did. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> he's 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 a he's a complicated guy. We'll talk we'll talk about him. Don't worry, he's cool. I like Alan Turing. Um. Anyway, so she translates the paper and gives her notes, and they're published in the September 1843 scientific memoir under the initials AAL, um, which is probably Augusta Ada Lovelace because you know, at the time she probably wouldn't have received any attention or credit for being a woman. So she had to do it. And you know what it is. Yeah. Um, so in her notes, she also kind of sees that there is potential for the analytical engineer to deal with data that isn't just numbers. Yeah. Uh, to quote objects found whose mutual fundamental relations could be expressed by those of the abstract science of operations and which should be susceptible to adaptation to the action of operating notation and mechanism of the engine. She's literally just imagining a modern computer more than a hundred years before. It's right. Impossible. And you know, what's crazy is because yeah, like, like you're saying, you know, she was the first one to realize that, you know, you, this, you could use something like this to not only, you know, crunch numbers, right. But you could do it. She, she specifically gave the example of something like this could be used to make music. Yeah. Which I thought, you know, I thought was super cool. Like, whoa, you know, she predicted Pro Tools was going to exist before, you know, anyone thought of. <laughs> she's the reason you make our cool fucking music, dude. Yeah. I mean, she's, uh, yeah. I mean, if, you know, yeah, if she didn't I mean, lay one that. Of, one of the reasons. If she didn't lay that framework out, you know, I don't, I, I don't think the world would look the same way that it does right now. Yeah. I, I think, I think eventually like the, the knowledge is there and the. The uh, intuition is probably there too, but it would just, I think the fact that it happened when it happened is the reason that we, history is the whole butterfly effect, man. It... Anyway, I should stop rambling about these because I get excited about things. Um, so this all harkens back to her imagination and intuition have a place in science. It can't all just be like one thing, which is, I think is a nice reminder to everyone to like broaden your horizons or whatever. I dropped my drink. Hold on. Good thing it had a lid. <clears throat> it fell again. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Good work, Laker. I put it on a slanted, a slanted object twice, like a dumbass, and here we are. This is my own fault. I must... Anyway, so she's the inspiration for countless books and plays and comics. She's been featured as a character, character in super different shows, including Doctor Who. There are biopics and documentaries about her. There is cryptocurrency named after her computer languages, awards, university buildings, microsatellites. Like, all of these things carry her name. She and Charles Babbage are pages in British passport passports. Um, there is a, an academy called the Ada Developers Academy, which is a year-long software development intensive that is like intentionally to diversify gender within the programming game, which I think is super cool and lovely. Um, and definitely something that I think she would she would feel very proud to have her name on. And Ada Loveless Day is the second Tuesday in October in England, and in the U.S. it is October 9th, with the purpose of raising the profile of women in STEM and showing role models to younger people. There's also uh, there's also a uh, web store called uh, Adafruit, where a lot of people like me go to buy our little who's-its and what's-its. Neat. 
neat. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah, you should check it out. I have no use for anything there, I don't think, but I will. It's cool. I just, just look at it. it. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is that is our lady Ada Loveless, who is kind of the reason we're here. Um, so Aaron, do you wanna you wanna tell me what you built? Sure. Yes. Um, so I mean, I, th- I think let, let's let's face it. We were we all had we we both thought the same same two thoughts. Yep. One was is is she an artificer or is she a wizard? And I, I de- also have those thoughts. I decided that she was a wizard. Nice. Because I mean, artificers are like you know they they make things you know they like get their hands on something and they make it. She was more on yeah. like the, the theoretical side. side. So I'm like, if if D and D has mathematicians, they're wizards. Uh, and then I got to thinking about, well, what kind of a wizard is she? And I decided enchantment because Ooh. it's like enchantment is kind of like a and d version of writing software. Yeah. And she wrote the first software. Oh, man, Ergo. Like that, <laughs> that makes so much sense to me, dude. Uh, I mean, obviously I made her her intelligence super high. So I went with like 20 intelligence. Um, oh, what other defining features do I need to point yeah. out on my... What are like the defining the f- defining stats and skills? Uh, so Arcana, which yep. is math, D&D math. Magic <laughs> <laughs> math. math. <laughs> uh, history and mm-hmm. investigation. Nice. Uh I don't know. Uh, I like her. What do I? Uh, back. Uh, I went with a noble background, which just mm-hmm. you know, it seemed Makes obvious. Uh, yeah. Just because of her. I mean, she was. Yeah. Did you? Uh, did you have any uh, feats, or did you just pump everything? I did. Answer? I gave her keen mind. Ooh, uh, that's a good one. Right, which gives you a little bump on intelligence, uh, yep, and yep. it it it's it's you know it just means you're super smart, and that you hate your dungeon master. But other than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i shudder for the day one of us is like i'm gonna take keen mind because <laughs> i think whoever's running the game is going to explode it's gonna be me and i'm gonna say i can do whatever i want now <laughs> fair point fair point uh spell wise i went with like yeah. stuff like <clears throat> you know minor illusion uh yeah, uh what's the other uh fan phantasmal force yep. you know anything where you're like you know the, i i guess I, get, I guess where i'm going is the power of the power of imagination you, you know imagination <laughs> uh yeah any any other major spells that kind of jump out at you for her uh you know i tried to not do like any combat-y kind of one. she didn't really seem much of like uh she didn't seem super interested in violence Right. Uh, so I didn't. I didn't really. They're all, you know. What? what uh, what's the? Uh, what's that? The cantrip that I, I can never pronounce. Thaumaturgy. Uh, Thaumaturgy. <laughs> Thaumaturgy and prestidigitation. <laughs> or you know, you kind of just make a, a a neat little thing happen. Always, yeah. yeah. Nice. What was? What did you? What did you end up dumping for her? Uh, so I went with, I went with constitution Yep. because just, you know, I mean, she was unfortunately ill a lot of the times. Um, I went with, uh, as like a, like a secondary high stat. I went with charisma. Hey, me too. Works well for, for in the court. Yeah. So, I mean, she seemed popular. Yeah. 
Did you did you roll hit points for her? Just out of curiosity. I I did. She she's What's level. That's where she was at hit point. Level ten. <laughs> she's level ten, and she has thirty two hit points. Oh boy, <laughs> that that minus in con is rough. Yeah. You, there's no if you're if you're playing if you're actually playing dude there's no reason you should do that oh no this this is a build that i was like <laughs> this is not something i would ever build ever ever for a game ever however to be historically accurate this is what i'm doing uh any other any fun like enchantment things that she gets as an enchantment wizard <sighs> not honestly the enchantment like as like a subclass it, it's not my favorite yeah uh there's not a lot i mean you can do hypnotic gaze where you look Ooh, at cool. you know you look at something and 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 charm them you know mm-hmm. hypnosis as you do uh i don't know i don't know if that's relevant to her but i but i, I think it's it. i think it's deep, like like kind of like beguiling because everyone was kind of enchanted with sure her. So i mean yeah, yeah that's true that's every account of her it seems you know that's something that someone that that, that gets mentioned like glowing and very interested in everything or the she's doing. enchantress of numbers yes <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. Did you have any anything like any um any special like items for her or like languages or anything like that? So yeah, I picked, I was like, what you know, she kind of she was programming before we had like programming languages as a thing, mm-hmm. which means that basically she was writing in assembly language, which is what which is the which is the code that code gets compiled into. So you write your code and then it gets turned into this other code called machine language. And that's basically what she was doing was machine language or, or uh, assembly. Uh, so I gave, I was like, what's the, the weirdest, like most difficult to, uh, to understand language in D&D? So I, she, she can speak draconic. Nice. That's the- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Dude, that's awesome. I love, I love enchantment wizard for her. That's, that makes a lot of sense to me. I went very convoluted. <laughs> Good. Love it. Very convoluted. <laughs> I, I too had the thought of, okay, wizard or artificer. And I was like, no, you don't get to just choose wizard or artificer. That's like, <laughs> that, no, you don't get to do that. Uh-huh. So I was like, all right, do a little bit of either one of them, but you have to add something else in there. And then I had a lot of something else in there and very little wizard. So she is a wizard to uh-huh. warlock. Warlock. Nice. Nice. Um, so I gave her order the scribes as a wizard. Um, and then the patron is the seeker for warlock, um, which is just like a voracious knowledge monster, basically, <laughs> which makes sense to me. So she gets all kinds of nuts shit. Um, oh, her, char- her charisma was a 17. Her intelligence was an 18. I didn't, I didn't do any feats. I just gave her um, stat bumps the entire time. I also dumped her charisma or not charisma, her constitution. Mm-hmm. Um, and she get and she's a sage, so she gets five languages: common, elvish, sylvan, primordial, and deep speech. I went a similar direction of like coding is complicated, but primordial and deep speech for me. Nice. Um. So as a um, where is it? There it is. As a uh, order of the scribes wizard, she can make a special magic quill that doesn't require ink, and it just writes in the color you want it to. And instead of it taking two hours per spell level to copy a spell down, it takes two minutes, which is just very nice. That, just whip it out. Speedy, speedy computation. Um, and then she also gets an awakened spell book, which is basically she has a sentient spell book, 
which is horrifying. It's and it's called uh, it's called flyology. That's, that's what it was. Okay, that's done. It's your flyology book from childhood. That's uh-huh. absolutely what it is. Um, so she she can use it as a spellcasting focus. Um, she can. So here's the weirdest one. She can. If you cast a wizard spell with a spell slot, you can temporarily replace its damage type with a type that appears in another spell in your spell book, which magically alters the spell's formula for this casting. The latter spell must be the same level uh, of the spell slot you expect, which is very confusing. I don't understand why it's like this, <laughs> but I think it's interesting that she's changing into one, like changing things back and forth. I think it's neat. I think it works for like programmery things. Yeah, I'm that's, not a, that I'm sounds. Hacker. That sounds vaguely like code. That... <laughs> um, and also, if you cast a wizard spell as a ritual, you can use the spell's normal casting time rather than adding 10 minutes. So, like, basically, you get an extra spell slot if it's a ritual casting spell. Uh, but you can only do it once per long rest. So that's neat for, for Order of the Scribes. Um, and then the Seeker Warlock has a bunch of crazy shit. So... <clears throat> At first level, you get this thing called Shielding Aurora, which is like, as a bonus action, you create this like whirling aurora of brilliant energy that swirls around you. Uh, And at the end of your turn, you get resistance to all damage, or or, or until the end of your next turn, sorry. You gain resistance to all damage types. And if if there's a, a hostile creature within 10 feet of you, it takes radiant damage equal to your warlock level and your charisma modifier, which would be 11 points of damage, which is pretty cool for just staying in there. Um, and then she also gets Astral Refuge, which means that as an action, she can just bit to the astral astral plane. Um, and so <clears throat> she can take like two actions of casting spells that target only you. So like basically you can pop over, do like buff yourself and do like spell stuff and then come back, which I think is neat. Not terribly... Uh, Kind of a kind of a dick move for everybody else in your party, but <laughs> like, like you're not a full round of like I've got myself protected. What are you doing? So that's those are the those are the big things she can do. That she also gets um, feather fall, jump, levitate, locate object, clairvoyance, sending, arcane eye, and locate creature, without it like counting against the spells that she already knows as a warlock, which is insane. And then. More nonsense appears because I have, I didn't count how many spells I have, but it's a ton. And I only have five spell slots, three mm. of which are first level because I'm a level two wizard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's a whole bunch of knowledge and only this much energy to use it, which kind of makes sense to me. I think that's very interesting. I also have nine cantrips. <laughs> so we went with, uh, let's see, good ones. Mage hand, because I think that would be helpful if you were like, you're doing math and you need an extra hand to do math. Oh man, how cool would that be? You're like, go to the chalkboard and you know, you're like in a lecture hall in front of a bunch of people and you're for some reason scribbling math with two hands and you're like, but wait, there's more. Third hand sprouts out. Ah! Uh, Yes, that is exactly what I was thinking it would be like. I also gave her true strike because I thought it would be uh, useful for like, I'm going to true strike that math. As well as guidance to guide me to better math. <laughs> I don't know um, how you do it, but 
I don't. That's what I do. I do simple. I do simple math very well. Fractions and I are very good friends. I can build things with very simple math. Anything else? No, no, no. That's too much for my my small my small tired brain. Um. What else did I give her? A charm person, illusory script, identify, unseen servant. I gave her ray of sickness because I felt bad with her not having anything to protect herself. And I was like, ray of sickness makes sense because she was sick a lot and she's inflicting it on other people. Sure. So are you implying that she's just walking around vomiting on people? <laughs> it's the 1800s. Everything smells terrible. Um, I also gave her invisibility, tongues, suggestion, ray of enfeeblement for the same reason. Uh, banishment because I thought it felt well with the astral refuge thing. Dispel magic, counterspell, hypnotic pattern. All all very like support cool stuff. Um, and then of course I gave her Eldritch Blast because I can't I can't, I literally physically cannot make a warlock without giving them Eldritch Blast. It's not it's not just so you can say Eldritch Blast. Exactly, because it's fun. <laughs> Eldritch Blast is fun to say. <laughs> um and then she has also invocations, which is uh I gave her Book of Ancient Secrets. Which so so because of Book of Ancient Secrets, and because she's a wizard, she got to add like four extra spells to the ones that she wouldn't have. Like I should, I logically should not have three, six, nine, twelve, fifteen, eighteen, twenty-one, twenty-two, twenty-three, twenty-four, twenty-five. I shouldn't have twenty-six spells at my disposal for five spell slots, but here we are. It's what you get with a warlock wizard multi-class. Uh, Book of Ancient Secrets, which I was I so if if the if the awakened spell book is biology, Book of Ancient Secrets is her uh, her notes on the the article. Uh, I gave her Devil Sight, which gives her sight uh, in any darkness, magical or non magical. Because why would you stop doing math just because it's dark? Um, Eyes of the Rune Keeper. I have to look up again because my brain forgot. Excuse me one moment while I grab my handy dandy book. Hello, friend. Eyes of the Rune Keeper is something to do with reading. I think it's that you can read anything, if I'm remembering correctly. Well, that sounds right. You can read all writing. Yep, that's what it is. Um, agonizing Blast, because Charisma added to Eldritch Blast, just so she's so she's at least a little bit playable. Not She's not terribly playable, but if, if she was, that's maybe a way to help. Uh, and then Ascendant Step, which allows her to cast Levitate on herself without expending a spell slot, just so she can fly like she always wanted to as a kid. Aww. Um, and then her hit points are 35. <laughs> she has 35 hit points. No, you got you edged out a little bit higher than me. That's <laughs> all you need. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much pretty much all of her all of her cool stuff. She's. She, like I said, not a terribly playable character, um, but fun. Fun play, to build. Hey, I'm, I'm happy. With it. Hey, play smart, not hard. Exactly. And if you can't play smart, keep maybe, playing anyway because it's fun. But maybe like a barbarian or something. Yeah. <laughs> Next we'll play a barbarian. When you inevitably die, play a barbarian. Um, yeah, but that's about it for this week of uh, Heroes You Should Know. Aaron, my friend, thank you for joining me and explaining math things where I failed to. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I'm sorry yes. I didn't know more about Bernoulli numbers. 
that's honestly i <laughs> the fact that you even had a passing understanding of what they were before looking them up is impressive to me so i i can't judge you i have no idea what bernoulli's numbers are even now we just talked about it and i'm still like it's numbers that exist in a lot of places cool that, there you got it you nailed it that's, it. that's oh, all the batters yeah. that's all <laughs> Uh, is there anything you would like to plug, my friend, or talk about before we before we say our goodbyes? Nope. Other than that, we're on a little bit of a of a hiatus from releasing Ashoka episodes this month, but we'll be back roaring soon. Yes, back in back in uh, in May. Um, but you can join us every week for lots of other content and nonsense from us. Um, this Friday, we're going to be having a pretty chill little game night with, with us. We'll be streaming it on Twitch. We'll be playing some some Jackbox games, taking a breath, taking uh, taking a little bit of time to breathe for ourselves and enjoy and enjoy enjoy each other's company and each other's friendship and game times. Just disclaimer, it will not be chill and none of us will be breathing. <laughs> no, none of us. Literally none of us are chill. None of us breathe ever. Um, but we have the illusion of it. Um, and then, as always, on Monday, watch Aaron play a video game. Are you still doing Arkham? I, nope. I missed. I, missed, I finished Arkham. Finish I finished Brian, it. I'm so proud of you. I'm sorry I missed it. It was okay. It was it was hard. It was a big, it was the biggest accomplishment of my life. But we're uh, <laughs> we're doing um we're doing Assassin's Creed three now, which is Woo! very history focused. Hell uh, yeah. If you like the American Revolution. Very neat. Very Come neat. watch me make fun of a bunch of characters in it. Love it. <laughs> Uh, yes, Aaron's Aaron's doing that. Uh, we'll have Surge and Ironsworn back next week. Um, I believe Caleb is joining him. Mm-hmm. Um, in two weeks, I'll be back with another another friend and another historical figure you should know. And um, Fridays, we're going to have a couple one shots. We're going to have a couple chill game nights. We're going to see what happens. It's going to be it's going to be a good time no matter what. Um, and thank you for joining us for Heroes You Should Know. I really appreciate y'all being here and hearing about some some nerdy folks um yeah have a good have a good evening friends take care of yourselves good night bye